0: and answers. There are many ways in which God illustrates His incredible love for us. One of the greatest ways is found in John chapter 13, the story of Jesus washing His disciples' feet. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, we will gain new insight as Pat explains this powerful moment and gain a greater understanding of God's incredible love for His disciples and for us, here in a message entitled, Love Exemplified. Now, here's
1: Pat. You know, there are many ways in which God illustrates His incredible love for you and I. One of the greatest ways is found in the chapter we're reading today, John chapter 13. This is the story in which Jesus washes his disciples feet now i never understood why this was such a great display of love but when i actually got into it and studied the events of that night i gained a greater understanding of god's incredible love for us and i hope that what i share tonight opens your eyes to the magnificent magnanimous love of god now in chapters 13 through 17 These are the final days of Jesus before his crucifixion. In chapters 13 through 17, it tells us of that final night. It focuses on that final night Jesus had with his disciples. And that final evening included the Last Supper, the farewell discourse, and the final prayer of Jesus. So John 13 begins that fateful evening for us. This is the final meal that Jesus will have With his disciples. And later that night, he would be arrested, illegally tried, and then crucified the next day. So this is on Thursday night, and this is how their final evening begins. We pick it up in chapter 13, verse 1. It says, Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his last hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them to the end. Now, the phrase there, he loved them to the end, can be translated, he loved them to the uttermost. And on this night, Jesus would display just how much he loved his men. Now, this phrase is absolutely astonishing if you study it in the context it's in, because the disciples were not worthy of his great love. According to Luke chapter 22, the Crux of the conversation at the table was an argument between them amongst who was the greatest. They were not concerned about Jesus and the suffering that he was enduring at this time, but instead they were just focused on themselves and their own status. Jesus knew that the disciples would abandon him in moments to come. In time of his greatest need, he knew that they would deny him and flee. His right-hand man would deny him three times, and sitting there across from the table at him was the one who hated him and would eventually betray him that night. Now, verse two casts a dark shadow on the whole scene. It says, during supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Judas was cooperating with Satan to betray Jesus. He had already given himself over to the devil, and on this night, the devil enters into Judas. And Jesus knows Satan has showed up to dinner at this time. And in verse 3, it states, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and he was going back to God. Not only did Jesus know the time for him to leave this world had come and the events that soon would transpire, but all authority and power had been given over to him. And with all the power at his disposal, he could have easily destroyed the devil and Judas in his wrath right then and there. But instead, he does something incredible. He serves each one of his disciples, including Judas. By washing their feet, including washing the feet of the man who just sold him out. You know, that's an incredible act of love. The more I studied that Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, including Judas, I come to understand the incredible love showered unto us by Jesus Christ. You know, it's easy to love those who love us, but to extend that kind of love to those who would betray us, that's something incredible. You know, I remember as a young pastor starting off in ministry, there was a family at the church that I started off pastoring in, and they didn't like some of the decisions that I made. And that resentment, continued to grow, and eventually just grew into hatred. They hated the very ground I walked upon. They couldn't even look at me. When they did, it was with hatred and just despising. And I knew that they were spreading all kinds of false slander and malicious gossip about me. Every word coming out of my mouth from my teaching was false and lies and hypocrisy and whatever. I remember they were on a mission not just to destroy the ministry we had but to destroy me as a person and get me out of ministry it was very hurtful thing many of the youth leaders were continue to hold the scars from what happened those many years ago hawaii is a small place the great thing about hawaii it's a small place the bad thing about hawaii it's a small place God's providence would have it. I get to preach in churches all over the island, and I was speaking at a particular church, and as I was walking up to the pulpit, guess who was in the audience? That family, that very family. You know, and I caught a glimpse of them, and I was ready to change the sermon to the wrath of God, or malicious gossip, or slander, or something like that. But I preached on the message that I was given, and then I decided to head out to the church. and as God would have it. I ended up talking to a lot of people. And there was only one exit at the back that we all had to go through. And I had no interest in talking to those people. I thought if I saw them, I'm going to give them the evil eye, you know, and hopefully they'll sense guilt that'll be with them for the rest of their lives forever. And as I was walking out the door, of course, one door, we ended up crossing paths. And I looked at them. They looked at me. And I knew they weren't going to apologize or anything for things that happened years in the past. And it took everything it had in me. You know, I wanted to give them a piece of my mind, but I knew that wouldn't be the right or appropriate thing that God wanted me to do. And it took everything in me just to look at them and smile and just say, hi, nice to see you. I mean, man, that took an act of God for me to do that. So can you imagine Jesus stooping down? to wash the feet of his disciples, including Judas. Man, now I've come to understand just how incredible the love of God is to be able to humbly serve those who would betray us and even let us down. And so our application today is this, is is to reflect tonight as we Commemorate Good Friday, the night in which Jesus gave his life for us, to reflect on the magnanimous, incredible love of God displayed in this story to those who were so undeserving. And then reflect on God's incredible, magnanimous love lavished onto us who are so undeserving. I know that I've probably blown it more for God than anyone else, and I don't deserve the love. the blessing that God has placed upon my life. So reflect upon the incredible love of God that's lavished upon us. And when you can comprehend just a little bit of God's incredible love, we can fulfill the prayer that Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3.17, that we may come to comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of God that surpasses all knowledge. And when we come to comprehend this... In a greater way, you can love others in greater ways, even those who we feel don't deserve it. Now, the love Jesus gave was undeserved. And in verse 4, we see his love displayed. It states, That night Jesus rose up from supper, laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them With the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, do not wash my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet. But it's completely clean, and you are all clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus washed the feet of his disciples, of whom he knew would soon abandon him. Now, washing feet is what only the lowliest of slaves would do. In fact, in the Jewish culture, the Jews insisted that Jewish slaves were not low enough to wash people's feet. This is something reserved for Gentile slaves or even children. So Jesus doing this for his disciples is just nothing short of stunning, that the Lord of all creation, the Son of God, would stoop humbly to the lowest level to wash his disciples' feet, a task not even seen worthy of Jewish slaves. And in verse four, it said, he lay aside his outer garments, taking on a towel, tied it around his waist. This is the dress of a very low level slave. This was looked down upon by both Jews and Gentiles. And so the conduct of Jesus absolutely stuns and even embarrasses disciples into an uncomfortable silence here. And in verses six through eight, Peter strongly objects here. He says, never will you wash my feet. And he and the disciples, of course, do not understand fully the act that Jesus was doing and all that it meant. That's why Peter gave such a strong objection to Jesus and said, never, never will you wash my feet. Jesus responds to Peter's objection saying, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Now, wash here has a double meaning. Jesus is not only speaking of physical washing, but also spiritual washing. So you see, the foot washing and the cross are connected. And Peter needed to accept the cleaning of Jesus here, but also the one that would come on the cross. So Peter says, okay, if I need to wash my feet to be a part of you, then let's go all the way. Give me a full bath. And Jesus says, well, you're already clean, all right? You just need foot washing, but you're already clean, right? You know what Jesus was saying there? He was saying to his disciples, you're all saved. I've cleansed you from sin. You are clean, except for one, Judas. Judas was just filled with a self-agenda. He was only looking out for self. He despised Jesus because Jesus did not fulfill the agenda that he wanted. And so he despised Jesus and the resentment turned into just utter hatred. The power, he just hated Jesus and Satan entered into him there, so unclean of a vessel had he become that Satan was able to enter into him and use him at this moment. But we see in our savior that love is expressed in humble service. You see Humility and love go together. You can't have one without the other. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is not proud. Humility doesn't care about fulfilling one's own egos or one's own need or agenda. Humility seeks the welfare of God and seeks the welfare of others. They're not concerned about who gets credit or is their ego fulfilled. You know, if I knew the things Jesus knew and all that would happen, I probably would have given them a piece of my mind. I wouldn't have washed their feet. I would have stood up in dinner and said, you know, you guys are sitting here arguing who is the greatest among you. But man, you're all going to run away like mice. You know, who is the greatest? And you, you, Peter, you know, you talking like you the man. You think you the man, huh? Well, I got news for you. You ain't the man. You're going to deny me. Not once, not twice, but three times. You think you the man? You ain't the man. All right, that's probably uh, what I would have said that night. Peter probably would have responded saying something like, you know, what, what, you don't know me? How can you say that? You don't know me? Aren't you glad I wasn't there? But the Lord, in his incredible love, humbly serves his disciples. Today, you know, we don't wash feet, but the equivalent might be like cleaning the toilet. You know, and I remember we were at a friend's house for dinner one night And there was only one bathroom on his bottom floor there. And I went in and I saw that that thing was clogged. And I walked out of there, I was like, man, gross, sick. I walked out of there and I looked at the group sitting there on the couch. I looked at my friend whose house it was and I said it loud enough so I knew everybody could hear. I said, hey, your toilet's clogged. And I looked over at everyone on the living room couch and they had that guilty look on them, you know, like, We're pretending we don't hear this guy, but one of us did it, and I knew one of them did it, and what I wanted was the guilty party to go there and clean the toilet, you know, and unclog it, because I was not going to do it, all right, but immediately, one of the young men, his name was also Pat, he said, hey, don't worry, Uncle Pat, I'll go clean it, and I knew it wasn't him, and he, you know, gladly walked right by me, and as he was walking by, I joked with him, I said, hey, you better put on a pair of rubber gloves, thick rubber gloves, man. Are you going to wake up tomorrow and you're going to look at your hands and there's going to be no skin, only bones? You know, and he just looked at me and he said, oh, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he did. And he was all done and he came out, you know, with a smile and he said, okay, it's all set. And, you know, when he walked by me the second time, I was a bit convicted. I thought, wow, here's a guy that was willing to humbly serve all of us. What an incredible demonstration of love that I was not willing to demonstrate there on that night. You know, and, and I was quite convicted because love is displayed in humble service for one another as Jesus displayed that night. So our application is this, you know, if you truly love, you're willing to serve. Serving is a way of showing your love for others but also your love for God. So this weekend, all right, the lesson is if your toilet gets clogged, okay, don't call me, all right, because I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to flood your whole bathroom, or I'll flood your whole house. That's not the point here, all right? Don't call me if your toilet gets clogged. Call Dan, all right? Call Dan Fukumai, okay? In fact, let me give you his number here. Let's see. Ben, let's put his number on the uh, video screen there for all in Hawaii to see. Just kidding. I'll let you off the hook, Dan. Love is displayed in humble service. And after Christ exemplifies what it means to love, he directs his disciples to love one another. Love directed in verse 13 through 17. You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the Father, than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. When he was done washing their feet, he looked at them and said, Do you understand what I've done for you? He challenged them to consider the significance of his action. And Jesus, as their teacher, but not only their teacher, their Lord, did the unthinkable of washing. Their feet. And if Jesus was willing to serve them, they should be willing to serve one another. And the foot washing was shocking to his disciples, but not nearly as shocking as the idea of the Lord of creation who would die such a shameful death upon the cross. And the foot washing and the cross would show the love of God who took the role of a despised servant to wash his disciples' feet, then later die on a cross like a convicted criminal. And Jesus commands all of us to follow his example. The love is displayed in humbly serving one another. And Jesus said, if you do this, you will be blessed. Blessed are you if you do them. Rodney Stark, the great historian in his book, The Rise of Christianity, pointed out that one of the main reasons Christianity was able to spread throughout the Roman Empire and just very quickly in the first 200 years was the Christian concern for the diseased, the sick, and the dying. The two main scourges that broke out at this time was the smallpox epidemic in 165 to 180 AD and the measles that broke out in the empire in 250 AD. And at its height, While these epidemics were breaking out, 5,000 people a day were dying in the Roman Empire. And John Stark quotes Dionysius, the bishop of Alexandria there in northern Africa. And he wrote this about how the Christians were conducting themselves at that time. He said, most of the Christians during the plague showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ, and with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors, fully accepting their pains. Many in nursing and caring for others transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The best of our brothers lost their lives in this matter." The heathen behaved in the very opposite way. At the first onset of a disease, they pushed the sufferers away and fled. So, you see, it's the extraordinary love displayed by the humble servitude that shocked the Roman Empire. And it was the combination of powerful truth and extraordinary love is why Christianity conquered the Roman Empire in such a short period of time. Well, at this time, How can we apply the words we just heard? Well, at a time like this, when most are looking out for themselves, everyone's in self-protection mode. We see crowds at Costco and the supermarkets and people hoarding goods, fighting over toilet paper, you know, and rice and other things. It's time to exemplify the love of Christ through humble service to one another, to looking out. For the needs of those who are most vulnerable, the elderly, the widows, the sick, the culture all over the world is humbling themselves. They're beginning to question their belief systems. They're beginning to ask the great questions of life about truth and eternity and the meaning of life and coming to understand what really matters in life. Now is a great momentous time in the history of the world, not only to as false teachings are exposed, it's a great time to proclaim truth, but also to demonstrate the extraordinary love of Christ as everyone's seeking to protect themselves. As Christians did in the early centuries of the church, it's our time to sacrificially and humbly serve one another and those in need around us. One of the ways uh, our small group applied this and and this just kind of came up spontaneously. You know the crowds there at Costco and other supermarkets. And I noticed in our small group, when one of us goes to Costco or the supermarket, they kind of text everybody and they say, Hey, I'm I'm in line here at Costco or I'm here at Don Quixote or wherever they may be. And they say, You guys need anything? All right, while I'm here, can I get you guys anything? And in a way, it was so great to see them doing that for one another. That way they're watching out and caring. For one another, just the small way in which we are humbly serving one another, demonstrating the love of Christ. And I remember people in line looking around me, going, right, oh, six feet away, of course." Saying, "Who are you texting?" And I said, "Oh, my friends at church you want to see if they need anything." You know, and, and they're, they're just, you know, looking kind of surprised that I would be doing that in line. That's a great way to dem- demonstrate the love of Christ as we humbly serve one another and those in need. Well, this is the event in chapter 13 that begins that fateful evening we remember, the night Jesus was betrayed and eventually crucified. Love was displayed in an extraordinary way. God the Son, humbly serving, washing the disciples' feet. May we understand the greatness of His love as we reflect upon it on this Good Friday evening. May it transform us and may we reflect that love towards one another in our lives let's pray together thank you lord for your wonderful example may we apply that same kind of love towards one another and those in need here at this time we pray all this in jesus name amen
0: we've run out of time thank you for joining us here on evidence and answers radio broadcast we hope you enjoyed today's show If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence & Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online on the homepage. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran.